This episode is sponsored by Bow Lake, the most beautiful paddle boards in the world. Visit bowlake.com and learn more. That's B-E-A-U lake.com. Bow is French for beautiful. B-E-A-U lake.com. You're listening to The Luxury Item, the podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the luxury industry. Here's your host, Scott Kerr. Henri-Jacques was founded by Henri Cremona in 1975, and the family-owned French perfume brand has forged a reputation for creating bespoke scents of the highest quality. Initially introduced to a small group of private clients, these one-off bespoke fragrances were created to complement its wearer, to invoke personal memories and emotions, and to become an extension of their identity. Clients were able to have their tailor-made scents housed in uniquely designed crystal flacons, collaborating with the brand's experts to create an artisanal fragrance that becomes uniquely theirs. My guest on the luxury item is Annalise Cremona, chief executive officer of Henri Jacques and daughter of founder Henri Cremona. Growing up in the Maison Small Lab in France, Annalise had hands-on experience that instilled in her a love for fine fragrance and tradition and a desire to follow in her father's footsteps, while simultaneously blazing new trails for the perfumery. She's here to talk about how Henri Jacques is preserving the tradition of French perfume making, the brand's unique position in the world of fragrance, the latest consumer trends, and running the nearly half a century old family business. Welcome to the luxury item, Annalise. Hello, Scott. It's a pleasure to to have this discussion with you today. Thank you so much for joining me. You know, I think a great place to start is to share with my listeners the backstory of Henri Jacques and your father's journey into the world of bespoke fragrances. Yes, with pleasure. You know, it's um, first of all, it's it's just a beautiful story to, to to make it simple. It's it started in the in 1970s. And it started with an encounter, a friendship, actually. And I must say that um, this is something that uh, happens regularly, you know, when a lot of brands have such uh, stories. And and uh, it was in south of France, so not far from Grasse. You know, Grasse is the place where um, the history of perfume uh, started, let's say, in France. And uh, my father was a great traveler. He was a perfume lover. And most of all, he was an est- Esteet, you say that? Uh, he was a lover of excellency. And one day he met a nose, a nose uh, um, that his name was jo- Joseph, uh, Joseph. And this man was a perfumer in Grasse. And he was himself a nose from the fifth generation um, in his own family. So um, this was um, a beautiful encounter. And from that, uh, my my parents, both of them who had the sense of excellency, um, um, start to, to dream, let's say. And he had the knowledge at that time, he had the experience. And together, they've been able to push the limit. And, and this is, in, in a few words, how Henri Jacques was born. So that's um, really nice to know that uh, the friendship can can lead to something so exceptional, let's say. So was it from this gentleman that Ari got his nose training, his own personal nose training? Yes, absolutely, because he this gentleman was uh, this gentleman was um, really um, an expert, but he was what I could call a, a very unhappy nose because at that time the industry, as you certainly know, has got switched in a in a in a different direction, um, where um, um, the distribution started to be more global, the quantities changes, and he couldn't really feel uh, he couldn't f- um, he was not really comfortable. Uh, Joseph was not comfortable in this new environment. So the two together, they've been able to really go further. And this is how they started to to, to create a laboratory um, with 1,200 components. And this was the beginning of an incredible history. So on one side, you have the knowledge. And on the other side, you have um, the capacity to, to dream and to push uh, push the limit somehow. And um, together, and with my mother, I must say, she was really present as well. They've been able to really uh, reach um, an incredible level of know-how, uh, create uh, with him uh, later on new sense, uh, you the best components, and, and, and once again, 
create what we can call the haute parfumerie, uh, haute parfumerie brand. So building this luxury perfume house in the old French tradition, the brand was likely popular among the most elite circles. So what type of clientele did Henri Jacques have early on and how would he work with them to create bespoke perfumes? Actually, the the, the fact that he... He did bespoke was not, it was just a consequence, let's say. Let's say he never really decided to jump into the, the world of bespoke. But the thing is, um, uh, he needed at that time to, to somehow survive in this, you know, environment that changed so much. And uh, the market was in a direction. And um, they, they, both of them wanted to, to stay in what they believed that were the best. So this is how actually they ended is in what we call bespoke. But this word... Uh, world at that time uh, was not even used, you know what I mean. And um, uh, so the clients were uh, people who really, clients. Uh, the clients were um, people who really wanted to have the difference. They wanted to have something exceptional. They wanted to have something different from all what they, 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 they had before, you know. And this is how actually it started. It's, it's really a consequence, let's say, uh, more than anything else. And you grew up immersed in the business, watching your parents build up the laboratory and experiencing the world of perfumery firsthand. You also had work experience at various perfume groups before you finally joined the business, I think in 2010, and took the reins of the company. So at the time you joined, what was going on at the brand and what was your mission as the newly appointed CEO? Yes, first of all, you know, um, I started working with my father when I was 19. So uh, I was studying at that time and I worked with him. I, I did the two together, let's say. And very quickly, I've been uh, involved in this amazing adventure. So in my case, I, I can say, you know, I, I really grew in this environment, not only because I worked with him when I was very early, 19, but mainly because uh, I grew up in in um, in a family where perfume was always uh, at the heart of all the discussions, you know. So um, for me, it was something quite natural. So what happened when when I, I started um, um, in uh, with him, um, with my father, I really the, the best thing he gave me is to be completely free. So I could really express myself uh, uh, freely. I could really uh, do whatever I felt. I could listen to my instinct as well. That was already very well developed, I must say, because you know of my environment and and also my curiosity. So what happened in um, in um, nineteen uh, in the nineteen let's say I moved to Paris and uh, this is where I, uh, I, I worked for major uh, for the industry the perfume industry for 12 years and this is where I made also my the other side of my experience and then uh, later on in uh, 2010 11 exactly I came back to the family company yeah I didn't come in the best uh, period, I must say, because I just came when uh, the company was not really doing well. At that time, my father left, uh, had left for retirement, you know, the company. And unfortunately, because probably of a lack of, uh, let's say, vision or different problems, uh, the company has not been able to continue its uh, its its growth, and uh, I came in a very difficult period where the the company was going to close. So imagine the the sadness of the situation. You know, it was uh, really uh, difficult to to arrive in that situ um, um, that context. But my my problem at that time, and this is very interesting to. To hear, I guess it's my my concern was mainly affective, and and I I couldn't just imagine my parents to 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 leave at their age, you know, the situation, and I couldn't imagine the fact that uh, all the job, all what they did for years, could disappear, and this was really really my 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 
my motto, my, my motor, motor, we say, uh, this is how when I came back, I came with the idea to help. And in fact, I, I never really, really left. But what is exciting, what is great in this uh, story that um, uh, I had the double vision, let's say, the double angles, because, you know, uh, on one side, I, I grew up in this uh, family company uh, doing only exceptional products, believing in the best. And at the same time, I also touched the, this huge industry that is the perfume industry today. So I had both sides of the business. And, and, and what is what was fantastic is when I came back, I knew exactly where I wanted to go. And um, and this uh, this was something absolutely um, great because you know I've been able to to write my own story with my own codes today in in this industry. So this uh, this at the end this is something that turned extremely positively. So you found your way into retail in 2014 with the opening of an exclusive shop and shop space within Harrods in London, which they positioned as this new retail concept for perfume connoisseurs. You were one of 11 brands with their own boutiques in this Harrods salon. What was it like to finally get into the retail game? Oh, so imagine the situation. Uh, you, you, I think you you imagine the situation. I arrived in 2011. There was nothing, almost nothing left in the company because of, you know, uh, the situation. And then uh, I had this vision. I worked for two years um, writing what would be... Uh, the next step of Henri Jacques and the good thing, as I said, that was my vision was extremely clear. And uh, this is something that surprises me uh, today. And so what happened, I met Harrods. They wanted to actually to have Henri Jacques on board. And, you know, Harrods is uh, not only an amazing department store, but uh, um, if we speak about the perfume uh, uh, side, it's... Um, it's it's a very important actor in the world. So they wanted to have Henri Jacques, but I couldn't imagine myself imagine being in, they had this black hole uh, downstairs on the ground floor. And, um, and this is why I declined at, at first. And I imagined that the, we could perhaps do something different together, which they, they really wanted to. And in fact, six months after they came with, uh, with, with a plan. And in fact, they, cre they have created... Um, they had created this Salon de Parfum, where they invited uh, 12 of the most, what they, they believed were the most beautiful brands in the world to have their own boutique, a shop in a shop. And uh, we've been invited to be one of them. So um, since that time, I think our, our stories are really linked. And um, anyway, we're still with Harris, and um, in October we'll have we we, we will also um, double the size of our boutique there. So our, our stories are really linked. And um, so imagine the situation: um, a brand like like ours, um, dedicated to bespoke for forty years, that never had never had a place in retail because of our, let's say, um, level of, um, of um, uh, uh, yeah, exigence, I'm sorry, I don't find the word, but uh, our level of expectation, sorry, um, arriving here suddenly, not in a corner, not, uh, but in the middle of, uh, you know, the major brand. So that was a fantastic opportunity and also a big surprise for a lot of uh, our neighbors. Speaking of your neighbors, like what did you learn about retail from some of the more experienced neighboring brands in the space, which included Chanel, Dior, Tom Ford, and others? Mm -hmm. Well, um, to be sincere, I, I, I didn't learn that much because I already knew a lot and, you know, their model was everywhere. So it was not something that I didn't know. We, everybody knew it. So I think the surprise was, was perhaps more on their side, if I can humbly say that, because actually the day we opened, we had, they spent so much time with us and with me asking us questions, etc. So the model was completely new. Uh, imagine uh, from merchandising, we did a cabinet de curiosité, from um, uh, highlights in in shops and merchandising we we had this home feel with uh, with um, with low lights and a very home feel um, and also our collections of course they were all so different you know we uh, for example i decided to 
to um, give a tribute to the concentrated perfume, the extracts, um, when everybody wanted to have eau de toilette. Uh, also, we decided to kind of work on the gesture, the elegance of the gesture. We resurrected somehow the stick, the, the, the stick, the glass stick, crystal stick in our bottles. Um, this is, you know, this goes with the, the gesture, etc. So everything was so different. And uh, but at the same time, it, it was so interesting because I think everybody, no, everybody accepted the fact that uh, we had we we deserve this place uh, because of this incredible work that has been done in the shadows, in the shadow for so many years, you know, the bespoke parts. So it was a very beautiful moment, and I have so many anecdotes actually um, coming from this period, and even even from the the Harris team that um, are close to us um, till today, and um, that was always interesting to hear all the 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 um, uh, the words and and the um, the surprise that um, uh, the key uh, key actors of of the industry had when they they entered Henri Jacques. Uh, I also, I should also mention, you know, the fact that uh, uh, our boutique and the first one at Harris was, uh, of course, the, the first one that took that direction um, that I designed with Christophe Tolmer, who's our architect and creative director at the same time. Christophe is an amazing friend and we work together hand in hand. And, and actually, when I, I had to design my first boutique, I asked him something. I asked him, I don't want a boutique, Christophe, I must tell you, I want a, I want a home. And that's what I want because, you know, uh, Scott, I spent many years in in, in the in, in the perfume industry and mainly in the travel retail environment. So I couldn't stand any more of those shelves, etc. And I needed something else. And I was convinced that people needed something else. And Christophe is actually he's an amazing designer, interior designer. He he made several palaces in France and he had this ability to 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 create and this French uh, style. Um, uh, mixing periods, etc., and that's all what I wanted, you know, in in our boutiques. And I wanted our clients, who were, you know, our bespoke clients, private clients, to come in our boutique and feel at home. And you know, after that, I felt that maybe that was the future of retail. Jumping five years later, after fifty years of crafting custom scents for the elite few, you open your doors to the public with the launch of your first yeah. commercial fragrance line, specifically for retail. And this collection essentially introduced newcomers to the Ari Jack universe. What did this collection tell people about what's unique about your brand? Oh, thank you for your question. I think this is the key. Actually, the one of the most difficult parts for me was probably to decide what, what kind of direction or what collection I, I wanted to design. So imagine my situation. I was on a white page because uh, the public didn't know Henri Jacques. Uh, so I could have started from scratch, you know, using some of our creations, uh, changing the name, etc. But no, my my really concern was to, to be fair and to give a tribute to this immense work that has been done in the shadow and, and creating the first collection or the direction of collection was a real challenge because I, once again, I really, I was on a white page and I didn't want to be influenced what was has been done or what was existing in, in the market. Uh, so I decided that um, the first collection actually that we call Les Classiques, classic, because classic for one reason, mm -hmm. is that they are all from our bespoke uh, history. And um, um, so the most complicated thing was for me to to find uh, 50 or to stop the collection at 50, I must say I had to stop uh, because I used my memory. Imagine I used my memory uh, to, and I, um, I remember it took me two years and I have to say thank you to my father who really let me do that because he came back, you know, I didn't tell you that, but he came back um, after 2011 for a few years, we were together and I was completely free to design this collection. So I had to find very deep in my memory, the my favorite perfumes. And I think I did right because, you know, I chose 15 of them. They were, as I said, all from bespoke. So all 
um, amazing creations because let me explain you something Scott when we create a bespoke sometimes we can create 50, 20 perfumes you know and you don't know why one is the right one but this doesn't mean that the creation power behind the others are not is not interesting so I just want you to give a tribute to this amazing crazy work that has been done and and this is how I designed my collection so we started with the 50 classics and as I told you, I decided also to give a tri tribute to the extracts because, uh, you know, in France, we have a song, very famous song from Serge Gainsbourg that says a few drops of essences. Because this is this was the elegance in France. We used to wear a few drops on, on, on the wrist or behind the ears. And, and this is what would give the trail and the beauty of a personality. This is what people could remember about someone so I really believe that I wanted to not to do what was easy what everybody was asking for I wanted to do what I believe was true what was uh, the best you know and this is how I build my, my my collections and that I must say that was in France in French we say contre vents et marais uh, this means that it was not easy because this is not at all where we were expected and um, but this gives you a little bit probably uh, the tone of my my spirit, you know, and the spirit behind Henri Jacques. We'll be right back after a quick break with more of my conversation with Annalise Cremona. beautiful paddle boards in the world. Bow Lake. The water is calling. We're back with more from Annalise Cremona. And then you started dotting the maps with standalone boutiques. I think you started in Singapore, then Middle East and Asia, and in the U.S. in Beverly Hills. And most recently, you finally opened a flagship in Paris. Why did you wait until now to open a boutique on your home turf in Paris. Oh, that's also a very interesting subject. Um, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll go back a little bit uh, to uh, the strategy, the distribution uh, distribution strategy that I had to uh, had to design a new model. Let's say because you know when you work with quality, you cannot work with quantity. That's very simple, basic, but it's true. And uh, I, the problem I had was um, how can I develop the brand while respecting, uh, fully respecting the, um, uh, the, the know-how, the quality of the components, the value of the brand. So I, I decided that we would only be in our own boutiques. That was the first thing. And most of them actually belong to us. So imagine the, the challenge that it was. Um, just to give you an example, today we have actually 10 boutiques because the last one was, um, I just, I'm coming back from Japan. We just opened a boutique in Tokyo. Oh, terrific. Congratulations. Um, yes. Thank you so much. So that was a very exciting moment too. Uh, so recently I just came back from Tokyo. We opened a boutique in Ginza. So um, the... The thing is, um, this decision was really crucial because, well, we have 10 boutiques today, but um, for you to understand a little bit our industry, uh, most of the niche, niche brands can be in uh, 1,500 up to 3,000, even more point of sales, you know, in every corner of the world. And this is something that um, I didn't follow for one reason, is that uh, as I said, to 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 not compromise somehow. So uh, Paris was, of course, very important. So we opened Harrod and then after in Asia, Singapore, uh, Hong Kong, Kuala Lumpur, Dubai, Doha, Abu Dhabi, etc., Beverly Hills. Uh, but Paris was the boutique that I was expecting. And I must tell you that um, today I'm so happy I waited because I'm going to tell you something. I just had a dream. I had a dream, and my dream was first to be in the Avenue Montaigne, 
because mm. I really believe that this is where Henri Jacques had to be. Mm. And this was not a new thing because I, I was looking for 10 years ago already for a boutique in Avenue Montaigne. And at the same time, you're going to, to say she's crazy, but I had the <laughs> image of a garden, you know. Yeah. For me, uh, the boutique in Paris, um, I ima always imagined it, you know, um, with a garden and imagine our clients passing this a beautiful garden and and entering in, in this universe it's like just like a, um, um, let's say something between the road and, and, and the experience you know just to 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 be infused by by uh, by, by yeah Henri Jacques and and the, the maison so uh, and we found this finally found this boutique and this is why it took so long that's it and I'm so happy I waited and I also wanted to um, to mark the difference um, in a way that um, I believe, and this is something we might discuss after perhaps, that the more the world is going fast, the more the growth of the company goes fast, the more we need also to, to feel the time, you know, to feel the moments. And, um, and once again, the experience that we're giving in our boutiques, and, and especially in Paris, because it's our home country, uh, was really crucial. And I didn't want to open a boutique, a small one, and then um, uh, two years after I open another one, I just wanted a place where I could just put my suitcases, you know what I mean, and, and mm -hmm. just stay. Um, but that's the general idea that we have with all our boutiques, I must say. So this is why, actually, we we waited to find the right one. And uh, it's also a strategy for me to not to open because we have to open, to open when it's the right moment and to listen to my instinct. That's also very, I believe a lot in, in the instinct, uh, which of course is something uh, made of experience, culture, and a lot of things. But um, sometimes it's good to, to listen to what you believe is, is good. And uh, that's why. Any plans to open one here in New York City? Oh, wow. That's my, my second dream. That's uh, what I would love. I love New York. And, and uh, I, you know, I had a dream when I was uh, um, 20, 22. I wanted to live in New York. And, um, and we're waiting also for the same reason, but it's not going to be too long. Um, this is really our, um, our second, uh, this, it will really be our second home for sure. And I'm looking forward. So we have plans, but we're just waiting to find the right place, of course. Hopefully it's going to come very soon. What is the general profile of your average boutique customer? You know, all of them are lovers of beauty, beautiful things. Um, you know, our clients are the same people that love good wines, good food, um, high fashion jewelry, high fashion brands, uh, quality, authenticity. And um, they're very curious, actually. And I must say, and, and some of them, and a lot of them are perfume connoisseurs. It's, it's really exciting to know that uh, people more and more are, are completely uh, are collectors, perfume collectors, and they can spend hours speaking about their perfume. There's a community that is extremely active on that. And in that community, you have all different ages, different cultures, different uh, backgrounds. Um, it, that's what is exciting. And what we find, find out at the moment is there are a lot of young people now that are joining Henri, Henri Jacques. Actually, one of the latest bespoke we did was for a young man who was 24. And he loved so much the different tests that we made that he decided maybe to have a collection of bespoke. And he's only 24. So mm -hmm. that's also exciting. Um, I'm, I must say that I'm very impressed by the new generation that is extremely, um, that goes into details. They're, thanks to... Uh, social media, let's say, they have a chance to to do their own opinion, and they're extremely curious. So um, uh, we have also a lot of people that um, are nostalgic to uh, 
beautiful uh, perfumery. Um, sometimes, for example, in US, where we've been present in the 90s a lot, we have sometimes some grandchildren that are looking for the bespoke of the grandparents because we still have everything in our books. We had this experience recently. So it's really um, exciting to see that. And uh, whatever the cultures are, because they're so different from um, US to, to Japan, imagine to, uh, to Dubai. Uh, at the end, uh, humans are humans, and um, we all love beautiful things. We love true, real, uh, yeah, we love uh, true stories. We love authenticity. We love quality. We love natural uh, components in that case. So all that um, really um, uh, put people together, you know, in the same spirit. So I want to shift the conversation and talk about the fragrance market in general. Based on industry sales figures, perfumes seem to have continued to thrive right through the pandemic and post-pandemic. Many perfumers and industry experts talk about the interest in well-being and mood, but also the romance of it all. So I'm curious about your perspective on consumers' new appetite for fragrances. Actually, the, the sales figures of the industry, uh, uh, I cannot speak a lot about that because I must say that we somehow um, um, following our own path, let's say. So I'm not really, um, I don't have time to, to tell you the truth, to really go into that. But however, uh, what I can speak about is what we, we, we notice in our boutiques. And it's true that uh, uh, what happened with the pandemic um, it's interesting to, to, to know that a lot of people stayed more at home and they probably understood much more the importance of perfume in their lives. And, um, and what, I, what I see and what I in our boutiques, but I know it's the case in the industry for sure, is that people uh, buy much more perfume. But I, I'm in my case, in our case, let's say, um, of course, we're doing very, very well and we have more than more clients than ever and more people that are really interested in 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 including perfume in their lives in a very different way so i, I i'm sure that the pandemic certainly helped people to uh, focus more on on their own personality their well-being their mood as well and um, it's true that fashion is um, um, shows a lot about our mood, but mood, but perfume also does. So that's also another thing that I really like to 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 develop, and it's something that I believe that is a real modernity today. Uh, to to have not only perfume for your home, but also in your dressing room, for example, have different type of perfume depending on what you you wear, etc. But all that needs time, and I think the pandemic in that case helped people to center a lot and think much more about something that was perhaps before um, more uh, secondary, not 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 um, uh, an essential, you know. What are some of the customer fragrance trends that you were seeing during and after the pandemic? Um, in terms of choice, I I don't really see a difference um, because you know uh, when I I explained you that um, our first collection is composed of fifty fragrances and when we launched it I thought okay I'm sure that maybe ten of them will work but at the end we haven't changed anything since 2014 because uh, they all have their personality and um, I don't really feel that it has really changed in terms of, of, of taste uh, because in our collection, once again, which is not based on, on, on the market demand, um, our collection is extremely uh, rich in, term, in terms of variety. So we have um, very fresh perfumes, of course, but also very deep, very complex, flowery. We have all sorts of perfumes. So our clients could always, you know, find, they can always find their um, their dream perfume um, inside our collections. But I imagine that uh, probably in the industry in general, uh, it has changed probably um, a lot of things, probably, I, I presume, 
um, people are more interested now in, in deep perfumery. They understand much more the importance of have, having something that is more close to what I would call skin perfume, something that really um, uh, is stronger, more woody is, uh, types, etc. We saw also uh, the introduction of the oud, oud, for example, which is not something new for us, but was new in the industry. So um, I think that um, it probably changes uh, for a lot of people, but uh, for a lot of brands, I mean, but for us, it's more that people started to collect, you know, they love collecting perfumes in a way that they compose their own wardrobe. As I said before, the modernity is here. Uh, we like to change, we change mood, we cha change style and changing perfume is, is something uh, also that um, has a very modern aspect. And this is where I saw the big change because today, uh, our clients come, they buy one, but they come after two days, they take another one and think about the third one, you know. So there's a lot of discussions in around, you know, their, their perfume wardrobe, what I call the perfume wardrobe. Can you share with my listeners the process behind creating a new scent? I mean, does it start with more of a time of reflection, you know, where you would envision a creative territory you want to explore, you know, its purpose and its meaning, or... Is it all about the scent and sketching out formulas until you hit something? Well, for us, no, no, it's both, both of, of them, both aspects. Uh, first, of course, the creativity um, is uh, extremely, um, is the, the most important thing. Creativity means uh, we have first to give time to the reflection, to listen to our emotions, to where we want to go. The question is here, where would you, we like to go? So imagine with uh, 1,200 components, there's so many directions. So this is the first thing to sit, think, let the time tell you where you want to go. But then after uh, we start, of course, designing something, imagining a fragrance. And then after, of course, we have to answer to certain rules. You know, I, I like to take sometimes the example, the comparison, to make a comparison with, uh, with, uh, for example, the music or, or the, the painting. Mm -hmm. um, Let's take, uh, speak about the painting. You, you, sometimes to be Picasso, uh, Picasso to be Picasso, he had to to go through a, a very classic um, uh, education. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing for music. Sometimes when you have a classic education, it helps you to fly higher. And, and this is really what happens with us. Um, on one side, we have the creativity, but on the other side, we have the rules that Haute Parfumerie and Orija gives us. And those rules are extremely complex. It's, it's a question of, of balance between components. It's a question of depth. It's a question of, of trail. It's a question of, it's, it's really complex. So I like to navigate on both my, uh, our, my and our true inspiration and feel. And at the same time, never, never forget about what we learned um, as a brand, what we learned um, um, and, and the know-how of the brand comes really secondly, but are absolutely um, incontournable means uh, we cannot do without them. So uh, this is how we have more chance to create a great perfume. And how do you come up with a name for a fragrance? This is very spontaneous. I must say when it, when it's, uh, when it comes to bespoke, of course, the client are consulted and, and most of the time they choose the name sometime with us, sometime not. When 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 um, when it's for our collections, it's it's completely free. And um, you know, uh, Henri Jacques is about culture. We love uh, you know, I like those words from Baudelaire, who's a pr French poet, that say mm -hmm. that les parfums, les sons, les couleurs se répondent. Perfume, sounds, colors answer to each other. Nice. Uh, this is what I like about perfumery. It's not something, it's something extremely large in term of creativity, you know, because in, when you speak about perfume and Henri Jacques, we speak about, of course, the earth, the different components, the people that, uh, you know, I'm just speaking to you today from Paris, but uh, uh, two weeks, not even a week ago, last week, I was in south of 
France in the middle of our roses because we planted roses with the people that are um, harvesting the, the roses. And, and those people are important to us. You know, we had moments together. We, we share passion. And, and that's what I like. And when, um, when we need to give a name, and it's also all that, it's our culture, it's the encounters, it's the book that I read sometimes, the music I'm listening to, uh, some of you know our perfumes like Belle Isabelle, Roi Sans Equipage, are inspired by French um, French songs. You know, at that moment, I, we used to listen to this one, and then this is how it goes. And um, some are given by my my father, the Cavianca, Ozara, Temporaline. This is something I named that comes from nowhere and that I, I heard when I was 14, 15. So this is um, how it goes. Uh, you know, the freedom is key. The creativity needs a lot of freedom. And um, what I like with our business model is that we have the place, we give the best place to creativity. So over the last couple of years, it's becoming increasingly evident that the perfume industry is not immune to the effects of a warming world. All those scents that we desire in a bottle of perfume come from nature. The unpredictable occurrence of heat waves, drought, and excessive rainfall is reducing flower yields or preventing them from growing entirely. And this is most evidence in Grasse, which is the fragrance capital of the world. Yes, actually, we were never really in Grasse for one oh, reason. Okay. Uh, we're not far. We're not far. That my, my parents, my father, wanted to stay away from this industry that grew so fast and that was really where he couldn't really recognize himself. And, you know, yesterday I was speaking with a, um, a member of my family that was explaining me um, how uh, what he heard about you know some of this industry the high the the size of uh, uh, the company and mainly the use of you know um, uh, synthetic and chemicals I mean in the perfume so I'm very sensitive to that to tell you the truth and um I'm, I'm really sensitive to, of course, the environment and the problem of our planet. And I think we all really have a, a role to play. Um, in, if I speak about Henri Jacques, I think that um, it probably influenced me to not to imagine to have a too large company to control and limit the production. Uh, if you have a moderate, a moderate business model, of course, uh, you can definitely to my opinion, help <laughs> this warming effect. Why? Because, uh, you know, the production is um, not led by, by the market, it's really led by your decisions and uh, to extend and, and by also the production of natural components. In our case, you know, we use a lot of natural components. Uh, so, of course, um, this is where we, we have a limit. And um, also, I believe that less is more. I think that's important um, in terms of perfume. You know, less is more. Uh, and we definitely can wear less perfume of a higher quality. This can help. Um, the fact that we, you know, we don't have 3,000 points of sale helps, as I said. And also the probably the boutiques, you know, the fact that um, the business model is not on, on, on uh, the... Amortization is not on five years, but more on 10 or even 12, even more to create a kind of durability. There's many ways, Scott, many ways to think about that. Um, uh, another thing could be also the alcohol. I like to use alcohol, uh, organic alcohol because I think this is respect to the earth and respect to the farmers, to the consumers. Use less plastic, for sure. Uh, our bottles are mainly made of um, crystal and glass. For example, um, I think that um, our brume, which is equivalent to the eau de parfum, extrait de parfum, um, don't have, for example, a pla plastic stopper. I just fought for that, you know. I didn't want to have a plastic stopper. That was the case. And it was, no, 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 that's not possible. Mm -hmm. And finally, we find our way and uh, we have a, a bottle that is convertible. Uh, with a, a crystal stopper, but also a spray. And, you know, all those things, decisions, it's a lot of small decisions at the end that prove that you are sensitive to that. So I'm trying to do my part as best as I can, but I, I'm still open to a lot of um, ideas and, and uh, uh, to improvement, of course. 
Last year, you collaborated with tennis great Rafael Nadal on a series of three cents inspired by his love of the Mediterranean, and more importantly, his wife, Maria Perello. Nadal has fronted fragrances for Tommy Hilfiger and Lova, but never collaborated on one of his own. How did this collaboration come about? Actually, uh, that's a very interesting question, Scott, because, you know, in our industry for decades, the idea was to use a celebrity and a perfume. And uh, I didn't want to do that, you know. So, but at the same time, I wanted to speak more, more about our bespoke uh, culture. And finally, it took us, I think, almost two years to find our idea and our model. And it's a collection called In All Intimacy. And this collection, Rafael Nadal and, and Maria, uh, opened it with their first three perfumes. But um, the, the idea behind is that um, we create a bespoke. It's always based on, on a bespoke experience, a true bespoke. So it took us a lot of time to create it because of the circumstances. And um, when the bespoke is here, uh, together we decided to share it to more public. So it's a completely different way of thinking things. And what is beautiful is on our side, it's a way to speak about our um, culture, our history, but from Maria and, and Raphael, uh, what is beautiful is that they found it very nice to speak about themselves through this uh, creative process and through their perfume. And uh, I must say the experience was beautiful. I really enjoyed, of course, um, Raphael. Raphael is an amazing person. And I really loved the fact that we've been able to go really deep in his personality, understanding much better his sensibility. He's been able to express himself through this journey. But Maria, that has never, never spoke to the press, for example, um, found it wonderful to speak or to open up a little bit herself and her life through the creation of her perfume. And you know what she asked me? She asked me the perfume of happiness. That's mm. what she wanted. Wow, what a difficult thing to yeah, do. Right. And, um, imagine the perfume of happiness. And uh, we've been through a long journey together. So it's a really introspective journey. And um, that's a wonderful experience. But the idea, of course, would be to have other um, perfume in this collection, always um, sharing um, a real achievement, a real accomplishment to inspire people uh, through the creation of a perfume. So that's the idea behind. At the Milan Design Week in April, there was a company that created personalized perfumes via AI-driven computer program and then produces them with a special, what they call a fragrance printer. It uses customers' responses to a series of questions such as, you know, in what setting did you grow up and, you know, what do you do for a living to generate a corresponding scent profile that is then used to create a personalized perfume. Do you think algorithmic perfumery can disrupt the fragrance industry? Um, disrupt, I don't think, uh, maybe, you know, algorithmic perfume, um, has this, uh, I'm thinking has disrupted a certain kind of perfume in industry for sure. But, um, we don't really feel concerned once again about that. I, I really, I can understand that it can attract a public of, uh, curious, um, uh, people who could be curious to go to different experience, of course, but, um, uh, technology is certainly helpful, but uh, I think it has its limits. And um, the problem in that case, it doesn't leave really place to fundament fundamental rules, uh, such as emotions, for example. And um, at Henri Jacques, our perfumery can only be human, intuitive, natural, you know, artistic. And uh, we really believe in human emotions and feeling. Uh, the feelings are incredibly deep and I'm not sure that uh, technology can replace them. And uh, especially when you speak about great perfumery. So imagine I was speaking about Maria Nadal, uh, Maria Pirello, she uh, asked me the perfume of ha happiness. I'm not sure that a fragrance printer can really, <laughs> you know, perhaps, but imagine the situation. The question was, what is uh, for Maria, the perfume of happiness? 
um, you know, uh, she didn't even know knew herself, you know, so I'm not sure that uh, once again, the printer can find it. And, you know, I'm also thinking that uh, when I go to restaurants, um, imagine if you had that, you know, in a restaurant, the, 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 the printer tells you what you have to eat, what you're going to like. What, I mean, where are emotions in that? So it's interesting because, of course, you know, we're speaking about it. And I think this is maybe the goal today. But, um, yeah, we don't feel very much concerned about uh, that. Yeah, no, not really. So tell my listeners what's new and exciting for 2023, something you could share with them. Oh, 2020, there's always exciting thing. The the latest, of course, I spoke about the Japan, right. Japan boutique, right? Um, so opening in Japan was just incredible. Um, the Japanese culture is so interesting. There's so much in details. We, we you know, we learned a lot from them, but also the new lab. I, I did mention that. So we just moved in our new laboratory. So imagine, Scott, after 40 years in the same place, we moved moved in a lab which is located in south of France in the middle of a vineyard mm -hmm. and it's just a dream and and we created we designed with Christophe Tolmer that I mentioned before wow. the lab of our dream and um, it's just open because you know we moved two weeks ago three weeks ago and it's still under process and you know seeing all this immense work um, there in in this environment is extremely touching. So uh, this is a big event for us. And of course, it will help us to, to create more, to, to answer to the demand or our boutiques, etc. Uh, another thing is uh, the first harvest of roses, as I mentioned. So we have a lot of ideas behind that will will go out and and many projects many collections um you probably heard about um, our innovative click clack it's it's an mm -hmm. accessory that uh, uh, we like to say it's a mark of allure. It's a new accessory that um, helps us to travel uh, with style with our perfume collections. So we have several collections that are coming out um, with also limited edition designed by Rafael, Nadal and others. So many, many, um, many, many uh, exciting things once again. So Annalise, my final question, which I ask all my guests is the luxury item question. So if you were stranded on a deserted island and you can only have one single luxury item with you, what would that one luxury item be? It can't be any form of air or water transportation to get you off that island or anything that requires mobile service. So you can call someone to get you off that island. It's just you, sand, palm trees, and an ocean. <laughs> What would that one single luxury item you would like to have with you? You know, first, uh, I wanted to be kind of original saying, okay, maybe jewelry or watch, etc. But no, really, uh, Scott, definitely without any hesitation, I would take my personal uh, perfume collection. I would take a box, of, a box of 10 because it's one item, okay? <laughs> a box. <laughs> a box, that's good. You, you, you figured box. out one how to get around that. Like that. Right. Yeah, a box of 10. Um, I would probably hesitate between, you know, the brew, essence is solid for only Jacques but you know why it's just because with this box I'll be able to feel that I have everything with me uh, because it will remind me home my souvenirs my emotions the places I visited my friends moments so I think I won't feel alone with that so um, in fact at the end I would say it's true that perfume is really the, the the ultimate luxury, <laughs> to my point of view. Annalise Cremona, CEO of Ari Jacques, thank you so much for joining me on The Luxury Item. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. It's been a great moment for me. Thank you. That's it for this episode of The Luxury Item Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this useful and entertaining, I would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. The Luxury Item Podcast is a production of Silvertone Consulting. I'm your host, Scott Kerr. Until next time.